Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. So thankful that you are joining with us again on our uh, online Sunday morning services. I'm glad to be with you. Thanks for inviting me into your home. And uh, I pray that uh, you've been blessed by this. We've been able to reach many uh, because of this. And if you'd like to be able to give to our online ministry, to be able to help us reach people here in the Williamstown area and literally around the world, uh, you can do so by visiting openbiblenj.org and you can click on the give link there. And that'd be much appreciated. It'd be a great help if you would like to be able to do that. But let's grab our Bibles if we would, please. Get your family around. Uh, hey, grab your favorite drink there. I got mine full of water, my uh, official Yeti. And uh, uh, grab yours, uh, maybe get your coffee. And let's get into the Word of God this morning. I'm going to be preaching on, uh, out of Matthew chapter 27, a needless death. A needless death. Matthew chapter 27, if you would please, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they abound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them in the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and, and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and they gave, for, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer if we could. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word once again. And I thank you for your precious word, and I thank you for how it encourages our hearts, and it challenges us. It is, it is profitable, your word says. Your word is profitable to us. It gives great benefit to us. And Father, I pray that it would convict us where we need convicting, correct us where we need correcting, change us where we need to be changed, and comfort us where we need to be comforted. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for a home in heaven. And I pray that uh, your word would go forth today and that we would see people come to know you because of this time together. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, I want you to take just a moment and I want you to think about all the needless activities that have been going on in our world. Remember, I'm preaching to you on the topic out of this portion of Scripture, a needless death. But think about all the needless activities that are going on in the world. 
From what we understand, if the government of China had been honest and told the world about the problem that they had with COVID-19, there would have been a whole lot less death in our world. Many, if not all the deaths, were needless. There's been needless unemployment for millions in our country because of this virus. There's been needless economic issues for our country because of corona. Because of police brutality, there was the needless death of George Floyd. There have been needless riots, looting, destruction of property, and death of some honest and law-abiding police officers. These were all needless. They didn't have to happen. See, what I'm... Let me back up and just say what I'm not saying, though, that there is not a need for justice reform to protect all people of all times, regardless of one where lives, what the color of one's skin is, or the level of education or financial status. But these other things were needless. See, the point is that all of these other things that were going around us right now in our country are needless. And in this portion of scripture, we find a needless death. The death of Jesus was needful for man's salvation. Jesus had to die. But the death of Judas was needless. He didn't have to die. I believe that the death of Judas was probably the most tragic death of all time. One that had one of the greatest advantages, if not the greatest advantage, of all people. There was 12 people that got to live with the Savior of the world for three and a half years. Judas was one that heard Jesus speak on a regular basis. One that probably had ringing in his ears, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he turned his back upon all of it. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He saw him raise people from the dead. He saw him feed 5,000 and 4,000. He saw him calm the waves of the sea, but still, he turned his back on it. See, Judas is the perfect picture of how remorse will lead to death, but repentance leads to life. See, friends, this morning, we've got to understand that repentance for sin will give freedom and life, but remorse will only lead to death. And in this passage, we see the devastating effects of, uh, of remorse. But one can choose the life-giving outcome of repentance. See, remorse and repentance are different. I want you to write this down if you would, please. Your guilt does not always lead to repentance. Your guilt does not always lead to repentance. The Bible records for us in verse 1 that the religious leaders took counsel. What does that mean? That they took a vote to kill Jesus. They made a resolution to kill Jesus. In verse 1 it says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel to put Jesus uh, against Jesus to put him to death. And once the, verse 1 is done there, now the, Roman the, the Jewish trial is over and it's ended. And now the Roman trial has started. The reason for the Roman trial that it was necessary was because the Jews could not put anyone to death. They needed a Roman trial. They could only suggest it. Now Jesus was led away and turned over to Pilate. And the Bible in this portion of Scripture does not tell us where Judas was at this point. 
But it does let us know that Judas could see Jesus and all that was going on. We don't know if Judas followed the 600 plus people that took Jesus into custody when Judas betrayed the Lord in the garden. You know, many times we think that there was just a few folks there at the garden to lead Jesus away. But no, there was over 600 people. It was a mob that took Jesus away. We don't know if Judas went with them, but we do know that Judas could see Jesus. In verse 3, the Bible says that when Judas saw that Jesus was condemned, take a look, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, speaking of Jesus, he repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He saw what was going to happen to Jesus. My question for Judas is, Judas, what did you think was going to happen when you turned Jesus over to the people that wanted him dead? See, Judas saw the consequences of his actions, but that did not lead him to repentance. He saw that Jesus was condemned to death, but that did not lead him to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3, you say, Well, Pastor, it says in this verse that Judas repented. That word in this verse, it means remorse. It means that he felt bad, that he was sad that this happened. That's the underlying Greek word for this. But he did not repent in true repentance. It's like this, Judas experienced feelings of regret. He was sorry that the consequences of sin had caught up with him, but he didn't repent. You know, it's like this when uh, you tell uh, little Buford, uh, Buford, don't you eat those cookies before uh, dinner. And uh, mom walks out and, and of the kitchen and then she comes back in and Buford has chocolate all over his mouth. And mom says, Buford, have you been in the cookies? No, no, I haven't been eating the cookies. No. And then she takes a mirror and puts it in front of Buford's face and says, now Buford, what's all that chocolate chips doing all over your mouth? And I just made chocolate chip cookies. And they're all gone now, Buford. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. See, he was, he, was, he was sorry that he got called. He wasn't necessarily sorry that he ate the cookies. Matter of fact, Buford, I'm probably on your side. I love a good chocolate chip cookie myself. But that doesn't mean you should disobey your mom. See, Judas experienced feelings of regret. He was sorry that his sin had caught up to him. Let me put it to you this way. The sin itself did not concern Judas. That's why there wasn't true repentance. He didn't really see the weight of his sin. You know, that's why many people can continue to sin and to feel no need of repentance at all. They may be sorry that they've been caught, but they're not concerned about the wrong. Judas then, because of his remorse, brings back the 30 pieces of silver to the religious leaders, and he throws it down on the temple floor. He knows that he's betrayed innocent blood. And verses 4 and 5 says, saying, I have sinned and that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. See, the problem is that Judas only saw Jesus as a guiltless man who didn't deserve death. Yeah, and oh no, no, I'm not happy with what Jesus has done. He hasn't set up the kingdom for me. I don't have my position of power like I wanted, but he doesn't deserve death. 
It seems that the conscience of Judas was awakened and, and the money, if you will, was a continual reminder of what he did and his conscience would not let him keep the money. See, it was the greed of his heart that betrayed him by the obligations of responsibility and care. Now the guilt is so great that he can't keep the one thing that he longed for. Think about it. Judas, after three and a half years with Jesus, gives testimony to the fact that Jesus was totally innocent. There was nothing in the spirit of Jesus that he could point at. There was nothing in the disposition of Jesus that he accused him of. There was nothing in the habits of Jesus that Judas could look and say that Jesus was a fake or a fraud or a deceiver. And think, think about this for a minute, friend. With someone that had such a dark, suspicious, and sinister nature, if anyone would have been able to pick up on anything that Jesus did wrong, it would have been Judas. Instead, Judas testified that Jesus was an innocent man. But you know what the sadness of this whole scene is? Is that Judas did not have to go through what he went through. What I see is what Judas is, is doing, or did, I should say, is what many people try and do today. See, the very act of Judas returning the money, which stated that he was a false witness, he even stated it himself, he sinned. Judas was trying to atone for his own sins. He was trying to clean up his own sin, to get rid of the stain of his own sin. It was the scarlet color of sin that covered his hands as they dripped with the blood of an innocent man. And no matter how many times he tried to wash the stain of sin from his hands and from his life, he could not. It was that guilt that led him to commit that suicide. Judas was doing what many people try and do today to atone for their own sin. He was remorseful but he wasn't repentant. See, what many people try and do today is atone for their own sin by saying, well, if I do enough good works, if I give enough money to charity, if I serve the church, if I, if I, if I. See, the point is that just like Judas needlessly died, there are many people today that are needlessly trying to pay for their own sin and there are many today that are needlessly going to a devil's hell. Jesus has already paid the price. You know, it's needless for people to go to hell. People don't have to die without Christ. Let me ask you this morning, do you know Christ is your personal Savior? Have you ever asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Have you ever asked the Lord to save you? Have you ever said, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner according to your word, the Bible says, for all have sinned. You say, Lord Jesus, I know that if I were to die right now without you, that I would go to hell, and I don't want to do that. You say, Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. I want to trust you for my eternity. See, for you to die without Christ, friend, it's needless because Jesus died for you. You know, the sad part about it is that 
Not only do unsaved people die needlessly without Christ, but there's many Christians today that needlessly carry the burden of sin. See, they just feel bad about their sin. They're remorseful for it, but they're not truly repentant. And that's the reason that many Christians don't live with joy and with freedom. Their fellowship with Christ is dead because they're truly not repentant. See, repentance for sin will give you freedom and joy, but remorse brings death. But secondly, you might want to write this down. Your repentance is not only a momentary act, but a constant attitude of the heart. Your repentance is not only a momentary act, but a constant attitude of the heart. See, Judas was not truly repentant. The Bible says, once again, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So he's saying, look, if you're truly uh, sorry, you're truly repentant, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's a good thing because that brings you life, that brings you freedom, that brings salvation. See, true repentance, you say, how do I know that I'm truly repentant? True repentance is found, you might want to write these things down, it might help you, in a change of mind. It's turning from sin and to God. That's what happens in salvation. I'm going to turn from the way that I'm living and I'm putting my trust in God and I'm going to live for Him. See, the, uh, for the Christian, just being sorry is the world's way of dealing with guilt. And many times, sad to say, this is the way that Christians deal with guilt. There's no real change of mind. They're sorry that they got caught. They're sorry that they did wrong, but they're not repentant. See, repentance is more than just having a sense of remorse or failure or defeat. See, true repentance is a change of mind. Secondly, we see that true repentance is godly sorrow. Psalm 51 and verse 4 says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. This is David here when he had sinned with another man's wife and he had that man murdered. And David was truly repentant because he realized that his ultimate sin was against God. See, godly sorrow is to be founded upon what God thinks about my sin. Not what I feel about my sin. Well, it wasn't that bad. Well, compared to a Jeffrey Dahmer, or compared to a Hitler, or compared to, you know, think of the worst person that you can think of. It's really not that bad. But see, true repentance has a godly sorrow and it sees sin the way God sees it. See, repentance is agreeing with God about what he says about your sin and about my sin. And it's confessing that to him. 1 John 1, 9 says, John, the apostle, speaking to Christians, he says, if we confess our sins, he, meaning Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean to confess? It means to admit that I agree with God that what I've done is punishable. My sin is punishable, but for the Christian, the, the wonderful grace of God is that Jesus Christ has already taken the punishment for us. We don't get punished for our sin. We get disciplined, but God's wrath doesn't come down on us. There might be some chastisement and some correction, 
But man, that punishment has been taken by Jesus. But for us, if we're truly repentant, it's going to lead us to a godly sorrow that we've sinned against our God. Here's another thing you might want to write down about repentance. True repentance will put things right. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, you make things right with God. The psalmist says in Psalm 51, 4, what? Against thee and thee only have I sinned. It's not that he didn't sin against Uriah or against Bathsheba, but the point is David's looking ultimately that his sin is a sin against God. So you make things right with God. Secondly, you make things right with others. You've sinned against someone else. You've got to confess that to them. Say, hey, I'm sorry. The way that I treated you, the way that I spoke to you. Not just, I'm sorry, and that's it. No, you, you need to state it. This is the sin. I've defrauded you. I, I, I stole this from you. I'm asking you to forgive me. Judas didn't do either one of these. I want you to take a look at a Bible example of repentance. In Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 21, it's the story, uh, well, this is just part of the story of the prodigal son. This is when, if you're not familiar with this story, there was this dad and he had two sons. And the younger son said to his dad, he said, I want all my inheritance now. That was basically telling, uh, saying to his dad, you're as good as dead to me. That was a, that's a horrible thing to say. But this young man wanted his inheritance now. And the father graciously gave it to the young man. And this young man went out and wasted it. He partied. He did all those different type of things. It says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's had bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him in compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, meaning against God, and in thy sight, he sinned against his dad, he's making it right, and no more worthy to be called thy son. See, this young man knew that he had sinned against God and against his dad, and he was doing everything he could. He repented by making it right. Write another thing down about repentance. True repentance involves confession. That's exactly what this young man did. He confessed his sin to God, and he confessed his sin to the one that he wronged. True repentance, write this down, involves conviction. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth in his confidence. This young man left the evil that he was involved in, and he turned around his life by wanting to live right. He was convicted, and he wanted to, he said, I'm, I'm done with living this wild lifestyle. I'm done with living in sin. I want to live in my father's house and do what's right. You might want to put this down. True repentance is commitment. In this portion of scripture with this prodigal son, we see that this young man was committed. He was committed, though he was a son, to be a servant. He was willing to do whatever it took to live in a right relationship and fellowship with his father. He said, look, if I can't be called your son anymore, I am willing to live in a right relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I'm willing to be your servant. There was a commitment there. His father graciously said, no, 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 you're my son. You'll always be my son. You know, Judas didn't display any of these characteristics. That's why he was never repentant.
In Matthew chapter 27, verses 7 through 10, it says, And they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, <clears throat> and gave for them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. You know what I find interesting? That God even used the unrepentant heart of Judas and the evil, unrepentant heart of these religious leaders to accomplish his will. I want to encourage you with something. God's still in control. I know there's a lot of needless things going on, but God's still in control. I'd like you to take a moment and evaluate your life. Friend, I want to remind you, if you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, for you to die without him today, it's needless. Let me ask you, Christian friend, when you come to God, are you just remorseful about your sin or are you truly repentant? If repentance, is, if repentance is not a part of your Christian life, if it's not a part of your Christian life, you're never going to grow. Your fellowship with Christ will be hindered. Repentance has to be a part of our lives as Christians. And for you to come to know Christ as your personal Savior, friend who does not know Christ, repentance has to be a part of your life turning from your old way of life, asking Christ to forgive you of your sins and to put your faith in him and living a new life. Friend, <clears throat> if you don't know Christ today and you've accepted him, we have for you a Bible and a book that we can be able to give to you. All that I want you to do is to be able to fill out a connection card, electronic connection card, with your information saying, I accepted Christ as my personal savior. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I realized that he died on the cross for my sins. He rose again three days later according to the scriptures. And I put my faith and trust in him. I'm going to send to you a brand new Bible and a book that will help you on your way. I hope that you'll do that. Fill out that electronic connection card. And we'll send that right out to you. We want to help you on your journey with Christ. I hope that you folks have a good rest of your day. I pray that uh, you're weak, that you'll, you'll be encouraged, and that if you do succumb to sin, that you'll remember the remorse is only going to lead to death in your fellowship with Christ. But truly repent, and that will bring freedom, life, and joy. God bless you, and have a great day. again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.